strength and consolation, hope of all the earth, Thou art dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing sounds sorry
that repeat at the end let's do the second half of verse 1 Israel's strength and consolation that slide we'll do that as the ending so it'll be verse 4 through once and then just repeat Israel's strength and consolation and after that one everyone should be their breath warmed up enough to sing the others. Encounter harm and hatred. 
enough to last the Lord, and He has said He will deliver safely to the golden shore. Christ is mine forevermore. Come rejoice now, O my soul, for His love is my reward. Fear is gone and hope is sure. Christ is mine forevermore. is mine forevermore. Christ is mine forevermore. Christ is mine Throne above, 
Good morning, everyone. I think I got the right time. This is some good visitation going on, so don't want to break that up too too quickly. But uh, no, it's great. I hope uh, everyone had a very good Thanksgiving, and uh, we're glad to see everybody back and seeing everybody risk it out there on those icy roads there. I think we need to pray for our um, de-icing crew. Um, that they can get this stuff uh, kind of cleared off for us, have a little safer trip in. Um, but there's a lot of things going on. Um, I welcome you if this is your first time. I don't see too many that was first time. So uh, if you're visiting online or catching us online, I welcome you if this is your first time. And uh, please let us know um, that you are viewing us today um, so we can follow up with you and answer any questions that you might have. So um, thank you for that. 
Um, a few announcements as we begin today. Um, one is uh, coming up. It's uh, for the students. It's their Christmas party called the Extraordinary Christmas. Um, that's going to be on the 17th of December. Uh, you realize December is just right here. I mean, it's right around the corner. I mean, I was up on my eaves yesterday in the ice, in the snow, trying to put up those lights. And boy, that was a challenge. So um, love that. But uh, yeah, we're going to have a Christmas party, though, for the students um, on the 17th. It's from 7 to 10 right here in this building. Um, we got a lot of games and things going on. So if you are a student listening online, please come. Um, it is a white elephant gift party. So um, please bring uh, a white elephant. If you don't have that, not the white elephant, please do not bring one of those creatures here. But um, actually have a, a white elephant gift. If you need an explanation, please see me uh, afterwards. So, um, But uh, we're going to have a great time here. So if you know anybody that wants to attend and come along, please please feel free. We want that to be an open time for everybody and a, a joyous time. Um, we also have coming up our um, Saturday, it's on Saturday, January 14th. It seems like it's a long ways away, but uh, it's actually going to be here before you know it. Um, we're going to go to the hot springs and take a dip. So we're going to see how crazy we are and uh, in the frigid weather and the dip in the hot springs. It's going to be at the Heisey Hot Springs. Um, that's going to be from 2.30 to 7. So we're going to leave here at the parking lot at 2.30. Um, the cost is $25 and some of that goes towards um, the admission to the Heisey Hot Springs. And the other is for the evening meal because we'll be going over the evening meal. Now, if you're a youth and you want to participate in that, um, please make sure you fill out your 2023 medical form and have that turned in as well as your permission slip. And those I do have available and they are on Faith Life if you need to print them down. So uh, please get those as needed. Um, the next thing is the Idaho Falls Rescue Mission. Um, we are opening this up to the whole church, um, and students and adults together can work on this. Um, I announced this last week, and I have been in touch with Jolene down at the Rescue Mission, and um, she's excited for our group to come. This will be a learning experience, an opportunity for us as we uh, just see for ourselves firsthand um, some of these folks that just have um, bad fortune, I guess, well, and just are down and out, um, for lack of better terminology, and they, they need a meal. And we can be those hands and feet. And that's the, primarily the, the reason why we're doing this is, you know, to live out our Bible, um, to not just sit on it. And um, I want the youth to see this, and I also want you know, us to participate together as a church, you know, whoever's available. We are going to go down there on Sunday. Yes, it is a Sunday, Sunday, February 5th. And it is from 3 p.m. to 7. We'll leave the lot here at 3 p.m. Get down there. We're ready to start and um, get trained at 3.30 down at um, the rescue mission site. So 
If you have any questions, please see me. But if you're a student, you will also need a uh, medical form for 2023 and uh, your permission slip. So, um, and speaking of the medical forms, I did get this on Faith Life, um, and I'll kind of show this up here loosely. This is the 2023 medical form. You do have to fill these out once a year. I don't make them for every trip, but you, once a year, things <laughs> medically can change over time. So we want to have your current information, and this is for all off-campus activities. And, you know, believe it or not, it, I don't really have to use this a whole lot, and I, I don't often. And uh, that's thankfully. Um, but if I did have to fall back on this, we'd have the correct information for you, and we could get you the help that you need um, with the allergies and stuff for today in consideration. All right, for today, I want to leave off with this. Um, we've got, this is the first day of Advent. So believe it or not, um, this is when we light our candle of hope. And I want to read a short thing um, that we have on the, the candle of hope. And then I have some scripture from Isaiah 9, if you want to turn there, that I'll end with. So uh, today we're going to light the first candle um, of the Advent wreath. This is the um, candle of hope. With Christians around the world, we use this light to help us prepare our hearts and minds for the coming of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. May, may we receive God's light as we hear the words of the prophet Isaiah. And I'm going to do Isaiah 9-2 and then jump down to uh, Isaiah 6 and 7. So, beginning with two. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Jumping down to six. For a child will, come, will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and the prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer to open. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you brought us here safely today to worship you, Lord. Lord, it was beautiful seeing the snow yesterday that you provided. And I know um, that presents safety issues, so I do pray for those that are out and about. And Lord, I pray for their safety. Lord, we pray for everyone in here that is in the service today. Lord, that we open our hearts and minds to the message that you have for us today. Lord, we pray that um, our hearts would be right to worship you in spirit. And Lord, we just pray that you'd grant us the wisdom that you want us to take back from this service. Lord, we thank you for your guidance this week. We thank you for being able to celebrate Thanksgiving in peace and freedom. It's such a joy to see 
us be able to do that as a country around with all of our family and friends. And Lord, we just want to honor you today for all that you've provided for us. And we do remember those that are serving across this nation and overseas, Lord, that are keeping this land free. Lord, we just pray your protection upon them. And we pray your blessing upon this hour. And we lift it all to you in your name. morning church good to see you all and go ahead and stand go to the lord in prayer father uh, our god we just come humbly before you this morning um, god we're thankful um, that you are our god that you sent your son and uh father that we have hope through him god we thank you um, for your grace and your mercy for your word and uh father we just pray that this time we would uh just sing with hearts uh overflowing with praises for you that we would learn by your word that we would be sharpened today as we exhort one another and uh pray for one another and god that you just receive all the glory in all things so god we thank you once again and uh just be with us Say this in your son's holy name. Amen. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free.
look for worldly treasure and forsake the King of Kings. But mine is hope in my Redeemer. Though I fall, His love is sure. For Christ has paid for every failing. I am His Treasure, Christ is mine forevermore. 
Christ is mine forevermore. Christ is mine forevermore.
not before time. We are a vapor, you are eternal, love everlasting, reigning on high. holy we lift it high father help us to uh each and every day just keep you at the front of our minds help your word be written on our hearts and uh be ready to speak it to go out and um proclaim your truth god we thank you once again for this time pray that you prepare our ears hearts and minds to receive your word this morning and that we would um just grow to know you more and love you more. We thank you and say this in your son's holy name. Amen.
the, uh, the choice of music this morning, I think it was talking about, does that sound good? All right. Um, the awe of God, right? It was how awesome our God is. That's kind of what I wanted. I'm going to be in the book of Romans today. And what I want people to, to take out of this is the awesomeness of our God. And it's illustrated in our frailty. So what Paul, in the book of Romans, in the first three chapters of Romans, what Paul is trying to show all of humanity is that, n- that no one is righteous in the sight of God. Um, that it's, it's only the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to us that make us, make us acceptable to God. Um, just in case, I mean, he went through the first two chapters of Romans. We're not going to look at that. We're going to start in Romans chapter 3. But he went through the first two chapters, and just in case anybody was still holding on to any self-righteousness, he finishes that off today. Um, the reason that this is so important that we understand the true human condition is because until we do, until we really understand our, our desperate need, then our gospel is dim. We have a dim gospel um, because we, we kind of, you know, have a little bit of a self-righteousness to think that, that God kind of owes us something a little bit, perhaps. Um, it's, it's only when we, it's when we think, it is when we think more highly of ourselves and less of Jesus Christ that, that is when the gospel's dimmed. Now, it can sometimes feel, you know, as we, as we come to, these, to our church services every Sunday, we hear the same thing, right? We, we hear it over and over. We hear, Jesus died for my sins, so I don't have to, right? We think, we hear it so many times it kind of becomes routine. Um, and, I, and I think it's, it's great to hear that, but do we really, truly understand how desperate our condition was that Jesus Christ had to die for our sins. Um, this is certainly not what's drummed into our heads when we go out into the world every all week. All week long when we go out into the world, we hear how good we are, how, how positive we are. Everything is, everything is good, right? Um, so how much of the world's teachings have we formed the basis of what we think of ourselves? Because what we think of ourselves is directly related to what we think of God. So let's pray and then we'll get into Romans chapter 3. Lord God, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for our ability to, to gather together to, to sing praises to you, to uh, have your word touch our, our hearts and our minds, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, God. We just ask that as we read your word, Lord, as I read your word, that it would, that your Holy Spirit would take it as it promised and it would do as it was promised to accomplish, Lord, in every hearer, whether it be um, conviction, whether it be grace, whatever it is that, as believers, Lord, we need in our lives at the time, that your word would do that as we, as we look at it. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's review really quickly um, what Paul has said so far in Romans, so we can pick up chapter, Romans chapter 3 in the right context. In chapter 1 of Romans, Paul addressed the bad sinner, Right? You know that long list of evils in Romans chapter 1, the bad sinner that everybody is in agreement on. Yes, that sinner is definitely in need of grace. And then in the first part of chapter 2, Paul talked about the good sinner. Right? That's the, that's the person that goes to work every day, that, that provides for their family, that is loving, but is, is a sinner nonetheless. And then he turns lastly in the last half of chapter 2 to the religious sinner. 
Um, and particularly in this context, it was the Jew, right? The Jew or the religious center is the hardest one for, because they already think they're top of the food chain. It's, it's you know, it, nothing is impossible for God, but uh, trying to address and reason with that person, they already think that they're on the top of the food chain, so it's so hard to get through to that type of person. And Paul concludes chapter 2 with telling his Jew- Jewish audience what a real Jew is. In uh, Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, it says this. It says, A person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the Spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. So we're going to pick up in chapter 3. Paul has talked about the, the bad sinner, the good sinner, and the religious sinner. Now there are some objections to that that people have, that we, we probably have. And I'm guessing this is probably not the first time Paul has heard these objections. So he's... The way he addresses these is he kind of has an imaginary conversation with himself in this first part of Romans chapter 3. And there's, there's three objections that, that we as humans have to what Paul has just said, that we are all sinners, short, fallen short of God's glory. So objection one is in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, What advantage then is there in being a Jew? Or what value is there in circumcision? Much in every way. First of all, the Jews have been entrusted with the very words of God. So objection one, paraphrased, is this. Now, now hold on, Paul. These things that you say don't matter, right? All of these things that you say don't count are the very things that God gave to us. So you're telling us that we're supposed to throw out Moses, David, and all of the teaching and traditions of 1,500 years? Is that what you're saying? Paul's response is, there's great advantage in these things. He says the very word of God has been given to the Jewish people. There, there are both physical and there are spiritual benefits to those. Um, we look back, you know, in our modern times, we understand germs, we understand, you know, food going bad, all these different things. Uh, that knowledge has not always been as keen as it is today. In fact, the dietary laws of the Old Testament, there was, there was physical advantage in those in that... They followed these rules, but it turns out that there was actually health benefits from those. In fact, during the Middle Ages, remember the, when the Black Plague went through Europe, um, the Jews, because of their, the dietary laws and what they could and couldn't do, they were actually not nearly as impacted by the plague as the rest of the population. In fact, so much so that they were actually blamed for the plague because they were not getting sick. Um, so... There, there are physical advantages to, to what God has said, and, what, and, there, and there still is. Um, not, to earn his, not to earn his favor, but for health benefits. And then spiritually, they were also, they were, giving, they were given personal insight into the very character and the plans of God. So, can you imagine as a Christian trying to go through and navigate life without God's word, without a Bible today? Um, and they say, and they ask, is there really no advantage? This would be like, and this would be like us wandering around in a, on, on an island, right? And there's a bridge that goes out of this island. 
that's, that's the, the way to salvation. And everybody else is wandering around with this little tiny pin light, right? Gen- the general revelation of God, what everybody's been given. We've got this little pin light, but we can barely see it to not stumble in ourselves. Yet the Jews, they've got the big old, you know, million candle power spotlight that they can just look around. They've, they've got, I mean, God has revealed things to them. So they can see, if they, if they would, they could see the way out. But rather what they do is they start nitpicking. They start doing what humans are very good at doing, making rules, right? They talk about, they argued about the number of steps that could be taken on a Sabbath to, without being worked. Could, could you spit in the mud, or would that be making mud? Would that be considered work? So they took what God revealed to them, and that's, and that's what they did with it. And, and honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we have a, it's, it's kind of a human tendency to do that. We're, we're pretty good at it. Um. So the first objection is he says, do we throw all that? And he says, no, no, there is, there's great benefit in this. Objection number two is in Romans chapter three, verses three and four. It says, what if some were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Let God be true and every human being a liar. As it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. So the second objection they have paraphrased is this. Paul, are you suggesting that just because some of the Jews didn't measure up to what God required in the law, that everyone in Israel has now lost the promise that God gave to them? Are you saying that God is upset by the disbelief of just a few, so he's canceled all of Israel's prerogatives? Paul's response is an emphatic no. In fact, in the King James Version, uh, my version, I'm reading out of the NIV, it says, uh, not at all. In the King James, it is God forbid. And then Paul quotes the second half of Psalm 51, verse 4, uh, in response to this. this is, Psalm 51 was written by David, uh, King David in the Old Testament, after he was confronted by Nathan the prophet about his sin with Bathsheba. The story, uh, most everybody's probably familiar with that, is is David is on the roof and he sees Bathsheba down there and he's filled with lust and he's, he's a powerful king so he brings her up and she becomes pregnant and he doesn't know what to do so he tricks her husband and ultimately has her husband killed and is hiding all of this sin, right? Is, is just living like he should. Well, finally, Nathan confronts him and when David finally sees the, what he has done, um, he writes Psalm 51 and Paul quotes it. This is what David says. Just the last verse, the last sentence is, is in Romans. But Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that, and this is what's quoted in, in Romans, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So he's using the words here of one of the Jewish heroes to show that it is always mankind's fault when things go south. It's never God's. It was, it's, it's sin in mankind is always at fault. This objection minimizes the character of God. The third objection in Romans chapter 3, verses 5 through 8 is the, says this. It says, But if our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, what shall we say? 
that God is unjust in bringing his wrath on us? I am using a human argument. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge the world? Someone might argue. If my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Why not say, as some slanderously claim, that we say, let us do evil that good may result. Their condemnation is just. (coughs) So objection three paraphrased is, Paul, how can God condemn us if it's our sin and it's only our sin that actually gives him a chance to show his loving kindness? Right? Paul says here he's using a human argument, and this argument's still used today. Um, it's talked again in Romans 9. It's a, without the proper understanding of humanity, this, you know, this would be an argument that could be a little bit of a head-scratcher. If we think more highly of ourselves, then this does seem unfair. This, this has been come, and come to be known as the Judas argument, right? And uh, the argument says, well, if, if God uses Judas's betrayal... And he had to use Judas's betrayal to bring about the death of Jesus that resulted in the salvation of all mankind. Then isn't, aren't Judas's actions justified in his betrayal? Now, there's two things we need to understand about this. One is that we, we do have free will. We do have the, cho- the right to choose wrong and right and wrong. But what we will choose is not unknown to God, right? This is the difference that our, in our limited human understanding... There's that creator-creation line. God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Trinity are above that creation line. Everything else, they are in the creator side. Everything else is in the creation. We have limited knowledge. So it's kind of like if you're watching a parade, right? We're sitting on a corner watching the 4th of July parade go by, and we see a float, and we see another float. That is what we base our reality on. God is up in the helicopter watching, and he can see the beginning, and he can see the end. He can see the entire parade occurring. So there's nothing that's, that's you know, out of his sight. It's, 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 a, it's based on limited human understanding that we would make this argument. The other problem with this argument is that if this were true, this would erase reality as we know it, right? This would erase all differences between right and wrong. This would erase any difference between good and evil. This would plummet humanity into this chaotic state um, where there's no difference between good and evil and it destroys the ability for God to be good and to judge. This, this argument just does not match reality. Um, in fact, the fact that we would even make this and, and entertain this idea kind of shows our fallen nature. Uh, if, if this were actually true reality, this, what I'm about to say, would be very acceptable and we should all <clears throat> go do this, right? So after church today, we're going to break into three groups. Group one is going to go to the restaurant down the street and they're going to put poison in the water. But the reason they're going to put the poison in the water is so that the doctors can come and show how miraculous and how wonderful they are at healing, Right? The second group, the second group, we're going to go down to the grocery store and we're going to go into the aisle with the largest amount of cardboard we can find and we're going to set it on fire. But the reason we're going to do this is so that the firefighters can come and show what, how glory, what, what wonderful firefighters they are. And then the rest of us, the third group, we're going to stay here and we're going to pray for car accidents on the interstate. And we're... The only reason we're doing that, though, is so that the paramedics can come out and show what great paramedics they are. 
That's actually the, that's, that's actually the argument that's being made here. Now, everybody was, I saw a lot of head shaking, and as we should, because this just doesn't match reality. So now Paul has, the Jews have, he's, he's addressed the, the objections. Now Paul takes the gloves off and, and finishes them off before introducing the, the, the true gospel, the true grace of God. Romans 3, chapter 9 says this, he says, What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. Notice in verse 9 he uses the term we, right? He's already presented the argument that the Gentiles and the Jews are by nature sinful. So who is the we in this? The we is Paul. The we is me. The we is all of you. It's all of humanity. We are all in this. We're all in desperate need of the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. And now Paul finishes it off here with the Old Testament. Um, <clears throat> every, every, every quote that comes in verses 10 through 18 is actually something out of the New Testament. This is the very word of God that these Jews were claiming to be faultless in, right? They were claiming that they were following all of these. They, they claimed that they were meeting all of these rules, meeting all these regulations. Verses, I'm going to read chapters, Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, and, and give you where that comes out of in the Old Testament. Verse 10, it says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, there is no one who seeks God. That's Psalm 14. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. Exodus 32. There is no one who does good, not even one. Psalm 53. Their throats are open graves. Psalm 5, Jeremiah 5. Their tongues practice deceit. Psalm 12, Psalm 52. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Deuteronomy 32, Psalm 140. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Psalm 10, Psalm 59. Ruin and misery mark their ways, and the way of peace they do not know. Isaiah 59. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Proverbs 8 and Proverbs 16. What Paul just described here was my fallen condition, your fallen condition, the fallen condition of every human being who has walked the planet Earth. Now, our culture would say that this is not very nice stuff to say, right? This is not very seeker-friendly. Um, but this is what the Word of God says, and we have to preach. We have to, we have to preach the whole Word of God. <clears throat> this offends us, right? This is tough. This is really tough for us to hear. Um, but apart, of, apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ, this is, this is all of us. Romans 3, 19 through 20, the last two verses we're going to look at today. Paul says this, he says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. When the conviction of when the conviction of of our fallenness comes on us, when we realize that the outcome is that every mouth is silenced, 
We all have excuses. We all have arguments. We all try to justify our actions. Um, A lot of us are very quick to respond with thoughts, with opinions. But when we see, for the first time, our our total depravity and our total need for God, our mouths are silenced. I work with a guy who sits in the cubicle next to me, and he is very very uh, jaded towards religion in general. Um, In fact, he's described himself as an atheist, as all sorts of different things, and very, very hostile towards religion, Um, Christianity, any religion. But he's also, he's a very, he's a very intelligent man. He's very, very well read, knows all the history. We've had lots of good discussions. It's actually, I love talking to him because we can have these discussions and um, the hostility's not there. It's really, it's really nice, actually. And, and one day, our, our conversations started talking about pseudo-Christian um, religions, right? Religions that, are, that use the name of Christ, but are not Christian religions. They're not orthodox. They don't, they don't teach the two, true Jesus Christ. We started talking about some of the differences of beliefs of that, and I, and I kind of started and, and was explaining those of, of you know, I started with I started with creation, and I went through the fall, and I and I introduced the doctrine of original sin, and explained kind of this, which was, you know, it's it's uncomfortable. He is he's very well spoken, and he usually is very very quick to interject in there. And while I was going through that, there was multiple minutes of just silence because I believe that he actually, for the first time, may have actually been confronted by. His true sin. Now, what God will do with that, we'll see. But the result, when people see their actual depravity, is that the, our mouths are silenced. Paul concludes his argument in these verses by stating that no one will be declared righteous in the sight of God by the works of the law. No amount of rule keeping, no amount of piety, um, only Christ's perfection imputed to us when we accept him and will make us righteous in the sight of God. The beginning words of verse 21, which are not in here, it says, but now, we're not looking at today, the first, verse, first few words in that verse says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. Paul has provided the bad news. That's where the first three chapters of Romans, he gives us the bad news. Right, And the reason that he gives us the bad news is so that the good news is actually good. Right, The gospel's not dim anymore. It's not something we just we think about. We, we truly, when we truly see our depravity, we really see the awesomeness of God. Now, these are some, these are some tough verses to go through, especially in our culture that we live in. Um, while these texts can make us uncomfortable, these texts are actually, with a biblical worldview, are very loving. If texts like this aren't preached, then how are we to realize our fallen nature so we can actually turn to God for healing? If, if texts like this aren't preached, then we walk around with a dim gospel. Even, even, in, even within the church, if, if we focus on the effects of the, of the cross without actually looking at the cross itself, and it's just what it's done to us, we, we, we have to understand who we really are and why we really needed saving in order to not have a dim gospel. If people don't ever realize their desperate need for salvation, if they think that Christianity is, is just some sort of a health, health, self-help 
um, religion, you know, if it's just sort of some sort of a social club, uh, they will spend an eternity apart in hell apart from their creator. That's what the Bible says, and it's unloving to actually claim anything otherwise. So there's a few responses we can have to texts like this. And the first response, which I hope we all have here as believers, if we are real believers, is that we actually see ourselves for who we truly are, and it brings out and amplifies the awesomeness of God. So we really, truly understand God's grace. If, if some are here that are not Christians and freely admit that they're not a Christian, then I hope this brings, like it did to my friend, a sense of conviction, right? A sense of realization that Christianity isn't just a social club. Christianity is about a change in your eternal destination. This begins with your recognition that you're a sinner in need of forgiveness. God desires that none should perish, and if we just turn to him, he, is, he, will, he will justify us only through the righteousness of Christ. And the third reaction is, you, you believe this, and yet intellectually we grab this, right? But we don't delight in the joy or the awe of knowing God. One of the verses that when Paul took the gloves off here, uh, describes the human condition. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. If we lack this fear, if we lack this respect, if we lack a true view of the awesomeness of God, then we will never be able to delight in him. If you heard what Paul said, and instantly your mind turns to someone else, um, then you know, you probably time to do some examination. This is a description of me. This is a description of you. This is a description of all of us apart from Christ. You know, we sing the song Amazing Grace, right? And everybody knows the words to Amazing Grace. And they're, when, I, uh, when I first started to realize my total depravity <laughs> and my total need, there was, there's a line in that song, Amazing Grace. It says, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We sing that song over and over again, but do we understand the awesomeness that, of what, how wretched we actually were before a holy God when we sing that song? Do we really understand that? Let's pray and then we'll sing the first verse and, and pay attention to the words of that song as we sing it. Lord God, we just, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for uh, your grace, God. Your grace that comes when we truly understand our need for it, Lord. I just uh, pray that we would leave here with the spotlight on the gospel, God. Not, not, not a dim one. That, and it would come through our true understanding of ourselves, God. And in that, we would, we would see you. We would see, we would see your justice. We would see your love. We would see your... All of your characteristics, God, put together um, and, and just be in awe of you. Lord, we just love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the first verse of Amazing Grace, and, and listen to the words.
days that God has numbered, I was made to walk with Him. Yet I look for worldly treasure and forsake the King of Kings. But mine is hope in my Redeemer, though I fall. His love is sure, for Christ has paid for every failing. I am His forevermore. Mine are tears in times of sorrow, darkness not yet understood. Through the valley I must travel, where I see no earthly good. But mine is peace that flows from heaven, and the strength in times of in me. Mine are days here as a stranger, pilgrim on a narrow way. One with Christ I will encounter, harm and is mine forevermore. 
Christ is mine forevermore. Blessings, church.